Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Terrorism. This is a word that we hear a lot, and we've heard about it a lot since the current round of horror began on October 7th. And I say current round, because clearly what we're all seeing didn't begin on the 7th of October. Now, terrorism is a term that is supposedly only to be applied to the likes of Hamas and, for example, the atrocities that it committed against innocent civilians back on October 7th. Now, we may have watched, perhaps, Piers Morgan haranguing Jamie Corbyn about whether Hamas are terrorists. Well, I'm going to explain why I think Israel is also guilty of terrorism, but terrorism on a grand scale, and how that should be an absolutely focal point of this whole discussion. Now, I usually avoid using the term terrorism amidst all of this because it's so ideological and contested. I tend to use terms like war crimes and war and cr crimes against humanity, which are easy to define under international law and can be alleged against any entity, whatever its form, however big, however small, whether it's a state which claims to be democratic or one that's clearly a dictatorship, whether it's a guerrilla force or paramilitary force or terrorist organisation. And the, the thing with terrorism is it offers a means for states which are themselves guilty of using huge violence against civilians to achieve political goals to declare that their violence is legitimate, their violence is moral, but the violence of others is illegitimate and immoral. Now, we all know, of course, the famous adage, one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. The African National Congress were famously considered a terrorist organisation during the anti-apartheid struggle. There's an important caveat there. It should be noted that over the space of eight years, between 1976 and 1984, the ANC's paramilitary wing killed a total of 71 people, 52 of whom were civilians and 19 were security force members. They apologised for these deaths after apartheid fell. Clearly, you can't just lump that in with what happened on October 7th. But as for Hamas today, the BBC and other broadcasters don't call them terrorists, which has caused widespread controversy. Partly because it means taking a partial view, which would compromise their reporting, but it would also place BBC reporters at risk. Their ability to report on Palestine would be compromised and indeed endangered. But it also would open a can of worms because clearly a lot of people, myself included, would argue for consistency. What about Israel? So now if we use, for example, the definition of the UK Terrorism Act of 2000, terrorism is the use or threat of one or more of certain actions designed to influence the government or an international government or intimidate the public. The use or threat must also be for the purpose of advancing a political, religious, racial or ideological cause. Now, those forms include serious violence against a person, serious damage to property, endangering a person's life or the that of the person committed the action, creating a serious risk to the health or safety of the public or a section of the public, an action designed to seriously interfere with or seriously to disrupt an electronic system. Now, if we use that kind of definition, Israel is clearly guilty of terrorism. It should be noted that Israel itself was founded unequivocally amidst terrorism. Under the British mandate, Zionist paramilitary gangs, terrorist organisations like the Ergun and the Stern Gang, committed terrorist atrocities against innocent civilians, including the King David Hotel bombing of 1946, in which dozens of innocent civilians were killed, in which later on, uh, not that long ago, back in the 2000s, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu celebrated that in a ceremony 
to the protest then of the British ambassador, um, those terrorist organizations also killed many, many innocent Palestinian civilians. The Irgun's last commander-in-chief later became the first Likud Prime Minister of Israel, Likud of course being the party of Benjamin Netanyahu. And even if you apply Israel's own standards, the current Minister of National Security, Itamer Ben-Gavir, who oversees the police, prison service, borders, amongst other things, has a terrorism conviction, specifically for supporting the terrorist group known as Katch, which espouses the far-right Kahanist ideology, and he now leads its ideological uh, descendant, which is in the coalition government. With that role, he has the power to use Israel's state machinery to support terrorism of the sort he was found guilty of supporting. In the West Bank, extremist settlers in the illegal settlements have been waging a campaign of violence against Palestinian civilians for a long time, which has escalated since the 7th of October in an effort to drive them out. Even the US government has denounced these settlers, it should be said, for staging what they describe as terrorist attacks. Now, they have the backing and the support of the Israeli state and its military machine. But what of this current war? When the Israeli president, Isaac Herzog, declared that the people of Gaza have collective guilt for 7th of October, he said it's an entire nation out there that's responsible. You can hear the echoes of terror groups like Al-Qaeda, which justified attacks on civilians on the grounds of the governments whom Western electorates voted for. When Benjamin Netanyahu told Israeli civilians and soldiers to remember Amalek from the Bible, when the Amalek nation attacked the Israelites and God commanded the Israelites to, call, to, to kill all men, women, children and livestock, that wasn't genocidal in nature, which of course it was. But just imagine an Islamist leader had quoted a comparable passage from the Quran to justify such a war. There wouldn't even be a debate about whether that constituted Islamist terrorism. As well as ethnic cleansing through violence, the Israel, Israeli foreign minister Eli Cohen has declared after this war Gaza will shrink, that is Israel will annex territory from Gaza. We can see the IDF shoulders, soldiers establish what's called a Chabad house, superficially providing local and travelling Jews with kosher food, a place to pray, or the historic services. But historically, as the Israeli academic Yavalek puts it, these represent the nucleuses of settlements, the core of what then becomes settlements. Establishing Zionist settlements using violence against civilians, well, again, you can see how terrorism comes into play. But recent revelations really underline how Israel can be categorically found to be guilty of terrorism. I recently interviewed the Israeli investigative journalist Yuval Abraham of the Israeli-Palestinian publication Plus 972 magazine, who spoke to numerous members of Israel's intelligence community. I'll keep harping on about these revelations. I interviewed him and did a video about it because they are so important and they reveal what should be described as terrorism. What the work partly uncovered was the use of the so-called Dahir Doctrine that originates from the Second Lebanon War. It was developed by the former IDF Chiefs of Staff, Gadi Eisenjot. He's the member now, he's a member of the Knesset, that's Israel's parliament, and he's a member of the War Cabinet. Now, as the magazine revealed, in a war against uh, guerrilla groups, such as Hamas or Hezbollah, this is what the doctrine says, Israel must use disproportionate and overwhelming force while targeting civilian and government infrastructure in order to establish deterrence and force the civilian population to pressure the groups to end their attacks. The concept of what they call power targets, they say, seems to have emanated from the same logic. What do we mean by power targets? It's, for example, high rises and residential towers in the hearts of cities and public buildings such as universities, banks and government offices. The article went on to say the idea behind hitting such targets, say three intelligence sources um, who spoke to them, uh, who were involved in planning or conducting strikes and power targets in the past, is that a deliberate attack on Palestinian society will exert civil pressure on Hamas. It also goes on to say that targets which don't have real military value are hit, 
and they're in high-rise blocks, maybe half a floor to an um, Islamic Jihad office with no military value. But if you destroy that whole high-rise, you'll put pressure on civilian families living in it to put pressure on what they describe as terrorist organizations. The source then adds that if they said this out loud, Israel, this would itself be seen as terrorism. So they do not say it. And the article also exposed how the ratio of acceptable civilian deaths per military target had gone from dozens to hundreds. It also added, for example, that Hamas fighters, of course, are targeted in their family home, often wiping out their entire families. And it noted, imagine Hamas started blowing up the family homes of Israeli soldiers <clears throat> with their families in it too. What is this? It's terrorism. Of course it's terrorism. It's using violence against civilian populations to achieve political ends. You could also argue religious ends, though this is not a religious conflict, uh, as it's sometimes described wrongly. It's about occupation and colonization. But terrorism is not simply the preserve of armed groups. You get state terrorism. We already know this, given Hamas is the administration of Gaza. It has an armed wing as well. Israel's own administration engages in clear and deliberate terrorism. The moral distinction we are presented between Hamas's behavior and how Israel behaves, that Hamas deliberately attacks civilians, but Israel doesn't, that is a nonsense. They both have targeted civilians violently in order to achieve their political gains. And that violence has clear political goals in the case, of course, of Israel, as it has, you could say, with Hamas, to terrorize the civilian population to achieve their political goals. This is terrorism. And we should say it, we should be morally and politically consistent. And notably, it's terrorism on a larger scale than anything Hamas is capable of. And that isn't to let Hamas off the hook for their despicable atrocities against innocent civilians. The point is, this is on a larger scale, with much greater capacity, given Israel as is a regional military superpower, and it is armed and backed by Western governments who are complicit in this rampant state terrorism. Please like and subscribe. Do share this if you want to get the message out. And do keep the show on the road on patreon.com forward slash ownjaz84. I'll speak to you in a bit. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.